0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. If you've been joining us, the last three weeks was taught by Pastor Rob. And the first week was all about how we're called to be uh, to be a builder. Uh, we're called to build, and, and for that week he gave us uh, we had all little Lego pieces, little blue Lego pieces, and uh, just the other day, just yesterday, in fact, I was talking to someone from our church, and I said, uh, you know, we were just talking about the series. We were talking because I was going to speak today, and he said, uh, he's like, you know, I still keep that little Lego piece actually uh, in my sink, right, or right, right there when I'm getting ready. So every day. I can get challenged and encouraged by what I'm doing. And so I, I asked him, I was like, so what are you building? And he's like, I'm building, I'm building fellowship. I'm building community. I'm, I'm trying to build the kingdom of God, and I'm just glad that I can be a part of it um, by doing this. And so I'm like, wow, that's so incredible. And then the second week was that we're called to beautify and to, and to influence culture and to help bring change through it. And that's another one that I really enjoyed and that I really loved because – uh, that, I mean, I really believe that we're a church that can help do that, especially within our own surroundings. In fact, this is going to be a, a perfect segue into the next one because the next week, week three, last week, was that we're blessed to be a blessing. And I love that the difference that is already being made that, uh, with our community here at our own church and how people are mobilizing and doing incredible things. Just yesterday, we were a part of a community event here in the area, and we were just seeing uh, God do incredible things to the people of our very own church who took time, Who took their own time and so, said, you know what, I just want to serve the community. And it was just incredible to be out there. We were serving popcorn, we were serving cotton candy. In fact, you always knew who were the people, the ones that were in cotton candy, because they had it in their hair. I mean, they were sticky. It was all over the place. I mean, it was a great day. It was hot, too. So uh, how many of us are glad summers here, right? Yeah. Come on. Praise God. The best time of the year here in Minnesota. But uh, I, just, I just love what's happening through this series and how God is just really stirring the hearts of our campus and so now we're on to week four the final week of the by design and I really believe that there is no greater message in this one because it is the culmination of our design of why and how God made us and so today is is all about how God designed us to be with him now before I jump into the message I want to share a little bit a little bit of a, a story here now this time I'm going to show a picture of my daughter up here can we, can we all get the ahs? Ah, oh, yeah, that's my little girl. Her name is Eden. She's a doll, and I love her. She's incredible. But one thing that, I, um, that, that we've noticed on her is that she, she's 13 months now. She's going on 14. But she was uh, as easy as, as ever. But then she hit 12 months, and something started to happen. And all of a sudden, she started realizing that she did not want to be apart from mom or dad. So when she was, she would let us know. In fact, you could even ask my wife. She was letting us know at 4 o'clock this morning that she didn't want to be apart from us. And so uh, we were up at that point, of course. But there was, there was something that really stood out to me about that is that children from a very young age are designed to want to be in relationship and community with people, primarily their parents, right? But I really believe that that is not a flaw in our design, but it God purposely made us that way to help reveal something about us in our relationship with him. And so let's just jump in here to Genesis chapter one, verse 26, where I I think, let's just start us off from the beginning. We're going to Genesis, and it uh, it says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them, male and female. So that's it from the beginning. God created us to be like God, not to be God, but to but created us in his in, in his image, and a lot of it is that we serve a God who says, "You know what? I want to be in a relationship with you." And so, if God is that way, I think God is calling us to be in a relationship with Him. How many of us know it's a two way street? Right? If, I mean, if one desires, how many of us remember that one crush in high school that wanted nothing to do with us? But again, it takes a two way. I mean, we got the, the the young crowd over here. They're like, "Yeah, we know, we know." Yeah. Got the girls, I think they're the ones that they're, they're crushing on them. They're like, no, 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 well, I don't want any of it. But it's, it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. In order, in order, in order to have relationship, it's got to be given, and it's also got to be received. And so uh, I just love that we serve a God who's not somewhere distant, who's not somewhere so far off, but instead wants to draw us near and wants to draw us close. And to me, I think, man, what an honor that is, that we serve a heavenly Father who says that to us who invites us to us i mean he makes it evident in our children that that is the way that he's created us to be to be in relationship with within so we're designed for this we're made for this we're designed for relationship genesis chapter 2 verse 18 it says then the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make a helper who is just right for him guys in the room how many of you are happy that god made a helper uh, your spouse, your significant other, amen. Dave's like, amen, amen. It's so true, it's so true, especially at four o'clock in the morning when my wife got up to be with our daughter and, and not me, so. But seriously, I mean, I think of that, again, not only did God say, okay, I want you to be in relationship with me, but also I want you to be in relationship with people. So again, if you, if you, are, if you call River Valley Church your home and you're not in community with us yet, I encourage you, be in community with us because there is something that is strong and that's something that there's edifying when we can rally together as believers. And I also think that only helps our, 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 our relationship with God. So draw in. Draw close. We're a family here. So going back to Genesis. If you're familiar with the story, you're familiar with, uh, with Adam and Eve. And if you're not, let me, let me set some context here. So Adam and Eve were the first people that were created. And, and it was man and it was woman. And, and, and God just did an incredible things. He set out an incredible setting for them. The Garden of Eden. And uh, it was incredible. And the one thing that God said to them is like, okay, this is all for you here. Enjoy it all, except that one thing. Don't go near this tree. Don't enjoy, don't enjoy that tree. Stay away from that. If you take of it, it's not going to be good. So, of course, like many of us here today, if somebody says don't take of it, they're like, oh, I wonder what, if there's anything good out of it. So I'm going to go investigate this. Well, their investigation led to something very destructive. See, before sin... Before Adam and Eve were disobedient, there was unity and there was harmony. There was great relationship. But then when they fell into the sin, there was great, uh, the devil at that point separated man and God and put a wedge in their relationship. In fact, he put shame into their hearts. So after, man, after a man sins, God comes looking for them. So after Adam and Eve sins, they come looking for him and say, hey, where are you guys at? Where are you? And what did they do? They run away. Because something in them, all of a sudden, their sin drew them away from a relationship. It drew them away from their creator, from their heavenly father. And notice here, there's a difference here. That is not our design. Because if you notice at first, before sin even came into the picture, we were in great harmony and unity with the heavenly father. How many many people in this room like a, a good chick flick? Anyone? Ladies? I expect the ladies. Yeah, I mean, up here, like, yeah, absolutely. I love i love the chick flicks uh well I, i'm kind of indifferent pastor dave last service he was really excited about the chick flicks i don't know maybe he got embarrassed or something but uh, but i enjoy them from time to time of course I'm, I'm married to tasha tasha loves that good stuff i know the bachelor's coming up bachelorette so she's probably going to be watching but i i don't understand it but whatever But if you notice a lot of these love stories, it usually has this sort of like kind of structure, this narrative a little bit. So it starts with boy meets girl, boy loses girl, and then boy is in pursuit and tries to get girls back, right? I mean, usually that's usually how it ends up. Some movies kind of deviate from that a little bit, but usually that's how it breaks down. Now, in the same way, I think of this is actually very applicable to this whole story, is that you know, God, in this example, God is the boy, and then the girl is, is us. And so God meets girl, but then God loses girl. But in this case, it's not because of something the boy did. It's because they just deviated. They left. But then God says, you know what? I want to try to redeem that, and I'm going to be in pursuit of it. And so that's the story, I think, of the Bible, where God is just in this constant pursuit of people to say, you know what? I want to restore what we had. I want to restore what was lost. I want to bring back what is actually your design, what you were made for. So God goes on this pursuit to help restore man to him, and we see it across the Bible. We see it with the story of Moses. We see it with the story of Abraham, Enoch. I mean, seriously, that's just, I'm just covering just a portion of the Old Testament. I mean, it's the same thing in the New Testament. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But at first, he created uh, what was called the tabernacle. So it was basically this collapsible tent. And as, 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 as Israel moved, what he would do is that he would, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, where at that point his, his presence was at, it would move with the people. But eventually, that didn't work. So then what, what ended up happening? They built a temple. So the temple, again, this is still in the Old Testament. So they built a temple, but again, that didn't work. And I, I'm covering just like thousands and hundreds, of, a, lot, a lot of history here. But here's what happens then. He then su- sends Emmanuel. So let me break this down. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Emmanuel is actually one of the other many names that Jesus took on, one of the many James, uh, names Jesus had. And so Emmanuel meaning God is with us, therefore representing that God wants to be in relationship with us. See, so the Old Testament was all about God pursuing his people. Now, through Jesus, he actually makes it possible. It's kind of that classic example, if you ever want something done right, you just gotta go and do it yourself type of thing, right? You know, guys in the room kind of like, yeah, I know, exactly, I can't trust the other guy, so I gotta go do it myself. But it's kind of that classic example a little bit, where, you know, man, you know mankind couldn't get it right so then God says, I'm just going to send my son to restore what was lost. And through his son, he sent the Holy Spirit. But let me back up a little bit here. Because when Jesus came, here's what I love about this, is that Jesus didn't come so that he can know us better, because the reality is, he, he, I mean, he's still fully God, so he already knows us, but he came so that we can know him better. So then all of a sudden, he's just not this so distant God somewhere, just sitting on his throne in his cloud, playing his harp or whatever it is, whatever culture tries to tell you it is. But God is someone who says, you know what? I'm so in love with you, with my creation, that I want to help restore what was lost, and I'm going to send my son so that we can gain that back. I want you to know me better, that I'm not off, I'm not distant, I'm not somewhere far and beyond. And now through Jesus... He brings the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 14, verse 16, starting with 16, it says, this is Jesus speaking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. So in the Old, here, here we go, in the Old Covenant, in the, in the Old Testament, it, God's Spirit was very external. It was in a building, it was in a cloud, it was on a mountain, and in, in Moses' case, it was, it was in a bush. But because God created, but because God's Spirit dwelled in Jesus, a man and now through his death and resurrection, it made it possible for his spirit to become internal, to dwell in our hearts and the hearts of his people. So here the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit, and it, the emphasis is very important on the Holy Spirit. So we can never lose sight of this. I mean, when we think of the Trinity, we think Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of them are very important to it, and we can't lose sight of how important the Holy Spirit into our, is into our lives because it says here, I mean, looking back in, Jap- in, in, in the scripture that we read, so that he will teach you everything, will remind you of everything that I have told you. Because how many of us know we all need reminding from time to time, right? Yeah. How do we do. I mean, we're human. I need reminding. I mean, that's why I'm glad I have my wife because sometimes he, she has to remind me like your daughter needs a diaper change or something. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't smell it? Sometimes we need Reminders. And I'm glad that the Holy Spirit is a part of that and is working in our lives. So when we we focus in on the Holy Spirit, we also focus in on the presence of God. It makes it real for us. And the presence simply is just being together and to be in relationship. You know, often when we think about um, and, and I've done this before many times when we think of marital problems and, and some of the things. And I've studied this in preparation for this marriage or for this message. But I thought, and for this marriage actually, for my marriage. But I thought about this and I was like, so, so what, are, what are some leading indicators here that actually come in and try to pull a wedge in a relationship? Primarily in this case, a marriage. A lot of it is diminishing Communication affection, and attraction. And I think we could actually pull a lot of parallels from this idea in how we also sometimes treat God. Perhaps some of us have never had an opportunity to receive Christ in our lives, and and, and at the end of the service, we're gonna have an opportunity to do that. But even as believers... I think sometimes we can lose this wonder. We can lose this awe. I mean, life gets rough. Life gets going. I mean, there's so many things to do. I don't have time for, to read my Bible. I don't have time to be with God right now. I mean, do, do you know what needs to get done? But sometimes we just need to be reminded about it, that we need to keep our communication with them. We need to keep our affection and our traction because if we lose out on that, how many of us know whether it be in our marriage or in our relationship with God, the results can be very devastating and it could be bad. So we can't do that. We can't be a part of that. So the question is here then, again, if we're designed to be with God, if this is by our design, the question is why are we with God? Why be with God? What's in it for me? And honestly, I would tell you everything's in it for you. I mean, I think about it back on my own life. Now, I, I didn't grow up in a legacy or a line of pastors I didn't no not even close in fact I didn't really grow up in a Christian home I grew up knowing about Jesus but my my parents didn't follow they weren't none of that but when I gave my life to Christ when I was 19 years old all of a sudden I inherited everything because here's why and I don't even know what God still has in front of me but I'm glad that I said yes for a relationship with him because now I have my wife I have my daughter, I have this church, I have you guys. I mean, without that, I wouldn't be standing up here in front of you today, but because I said yes to my design to say, you know what, I'm designed to be with Jesus, so I'm gonna say yes to it, I'm gonna draw in and draw close, and now as a result, I get to live out the calling that he has for me. So I see all these things, I see my hopes, and I hope you do too, you see your dreams, your desires, your victories, and your purpose to live for something that's much greater than you so that it could leave a lasting impact. In fact, I believe the greatness of a person is not determined by what he does in his life, but what he leaves behind. Even if it means that nobody remembers your name, but yet you could leave a lasting impact and a mark by something that you were a part of. To me, that's greatness. And To me, I said, you know, I've said yes to that, and that was through Jesus Christ. So ultimately, also it's about peace a separation from the hurt or the broken world. When you say yes to God, does that mean all of a sudden everything gets better? You're frolicking through a field of roses, or I wouldn't say roses, because roses have thorns, but that's a bad illustration. (laughs) Tulips, tulips, yeah, tulips are safe. safe. Does that mean you're doing that? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It it doesn't mean that, but here's one thing. Now all of a sudden you can bring greater awareness to why some of these things are happening. Now you know why hurt is, is happening, or why hurt is evident. Or why you struggle. And then ultimately we get to be, when Jesus comes back for his church, us, we get to share in that community even on another level. So when that happens, to me I think of it, wow, that would be incredible. No sin, no sorrow, no suffering, no pain. I believe there's people in this church right now who are currently going through real life things where you're hurting, where sometimes it's hard to get up out of bed, where sometimes you just wonder why you even got out of bed to begin with. But Jesus says, you know what? I've come to take that from you. Receive me. It is in your design. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, it says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The joy of your presence. You know, when I think about it too, I didn't mention this last service, but you know, the word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so whenever you're asking for strength, when you're asking for God to help you through something, are you first and foremost finding the joy in being in his presence? The joy is your strength. The joy will get you through. God is not the genie who says, just here, here am I. What do you need me to do now? Get three wishes. No, God is not like that. He's better than that. But instead he says, you know what? Find the joy in me and I can get you through what you're going. Uh, a few years back, Ikea did a a, a a fun thing it was around the holidays, so they did one of those kind of like uh, just research things for commercials and stuff and one thing that they did was uh, this was over in Spain, but they asked ten families and each kid in their families they asked them to write two letters one is Santa or in their case it's called uh, los tres Reyes I speak Spanish so I could say it the three kings their equivalent of Spa, of santa but uh and then the other one and then the other letter was to their parents and and they asked them okay ask for whatever you want, ask Santa for whatever you want, and ask, um, ask your parents for whatever you want. So obviously with, the parent, or with Santa, they said, hey, I want these toys, I want these electronics, all these things. But one thing that stood out is that every kid who took part in it, all they said that they just wanted time together with their parents. So there's a lot of value in being with one another and being together. Our kids see it. They're designed that way. And so are we. Oftentimes, we can get caught up even in the thing, well, if I, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, and, you know, God will do these incredible things. But I think it's mostly, it's like, no, no, it's about being in his presence. Some of these things are important, of course, and you want to be able to draw value and put value into it. But we can't, we can't get caught up in just doing the checklist. We got to do more. Rick Warren, an influential pastor in our country, said this You will never grow close. Grow a close relationship with God by just attending church once a week or having a daily quiet time, although these things are very important, right? But friendship with God is built by sharing all your life experiences with him. Of course, it is important to establish the habit of daily devotion time with God, but God wants more than an appointment on your schedule. He wants to be included in every activity in every conversation in every problem and in every thought. Life is already hard enough, so why do you gotta do it alone? God just wants to be included in it. And I'm glad that we can do that. In fact, one of the ways that I do it, again, it's not a checklist, but this is a way that I set, uh, I set the tone for my day and being in his presence. For me, is starting off right in the morning, and I do my devotions. Now, everyone can do it at a different time. My wife does it at the end of the day, so whatever time you pick, it's okay. But for me, I get up, I go to the gym, and usually I'll find a place where it's quiet, and I'll do my devotions there. But to me, I'm already practicing my, the presence with my heavenly father from the beginning, from the start, and it's setting an, an, a tone for the rest of my day, and it's doing something incredible. So in fact, I would even tell you this. If you're not already involved with what uh, we call SOAP here, and it's an acronym, it's called uh, Scripture Observation Application Prayer. But basically, it's a Bible reading plan, and I do this as part of my, my devotional life, and it's an incredible thing to do. One, it, uh, a lot, the majority of the church is doing it, so now you can have a conversation based upon it with someone else you might know from the church, But also, it's just a good way to set a new discipline in your life. But whatever it is, I encourage you to spend time with God. Not just a checklist, but spend time in his presence. You know, when I first came to the Minotristic campus, to me it started very, uh, pretty much from the beginning. From the beginning of when this campus actually started, when this church was was built here. Or not this church was built, but when when the church was planted. And one of the things when I came to to the pastor at the time, I said, Hey man, I'm just here to serve you. Whatever you need me to do. What do you want me to do? What do you need what do you need need to be done? I'm expecting to hear, like, man, I need you to help me with announcements, take the platform, do all this, and all that. And I'm like, man, I'm ready for it. What's he gonna say? He says, I need you to clean the toilets. I'm like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? You you want me to clean the toilets? Like, there's nothing spiritual about cleaning toilets. However, something incredible happened. So I said yes to it. Because again, at the time, that that was a need. I said yes. to it. all right, fine, I'll do it. However, in those moments, and this is how I knew, God wasn't wasn't restrained to just my devotional time, but but he was across my whole day. And in there, as I was scrubbing old grungy toilets, I just really felt God's presence. And he says, and I felt like he said this to me. He said, by you doing this, you're doing the work of the kingdom. And I said, How? Because if you clean the toilets, you're removing a distraction from someone who potentially could come for the first time and see something they don't want to see. Really, I mean, it sounds humorous a little bit, but to me it's stuck. And the premise of that is it's like, wow, like even in the like the mundane, the day-to-day stuff, the stuff that nobody gets glory for. God could still do something incredible in those moments. God could still show up in my heart and still in that dirty, grimy bathroom, God surrounded me and said, you're still on mission. You're on, and you're doing what I've called you to do. And praise God for that. Some people call it a test. Some people call it this or that. I'm just glad I passed it, I guess, right? But here's the thing. There should never be an excuse for our desire for a for relationship with God. Never. Because he's already pursuing you. He's not so this guy who's distant in this far off land. But instead he's called you. And he needs ask you to believe. So we can receive this all in one of three ways. The non-believer could say, I don't know that we actually serve a God or that there is a God who would want to be that involved in your life. And then I, would, I believe that there's also the legalistic, legalistic Christian who would say this. I don't know that we really serve a God who really wants to be that part of our life. Because here's what I believe the gospel says. That God isn't a distant ruler who lords over his authority over his people. He wants to be with us. An intimate relationship like a father and like a spouse. In this way, we can think of the whole gospel as one big love story. Where in the beginning, God creates man and woman and then loses them. But then God spends the whole rest of the story trying to get them back. So God is in pursuit of you, he's after you. So as we wrap up this series, let's never lose this whole being with God. Let's never lose our wonder, but in fact, let's protect it, let's guard it. Because as you can tell, what you, you saw with Adam and Eve, there's an enemy who's trying to draw you away from that and pull you from what you were created to be, from what you were designed to be. See, religion It's funny because people think of church. They usually think religion. I don't I want to be a part of religion. But here's what religion says. And religion invites you to know about God. But I believe a relationship with God invites you to be with God. And that's what it's all about. So we started with Genesis. I think it's only fitting that we end with Revelation, the final book of the Bible. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice... Open the door and I will come in. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Will you answer it? Will you answer it? Will you answer it? I'm knocking.